The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome. This is Ken and Cheryl Dawson. We have a special treat for you today. Brian Fleming, Afghanistan veteran and author of Never the Same, his story on overcoming the attack of a suicide bomber is with us today. And as we remember uh, the attack of 9-11, still fresh in our memories after so many years, we want to honor those families who lost loved ones and the military personnel and their families who are currently sacrificing to preserve our freedom. With the many wounded veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, today's guest has a timely message to share through his memoir, Never the Same. It's a very personal story of a young veteran badly burned by a suicide bomber and how he overcame his physical and emotional wounds. Brian's story of struggle, perseverance, courage, and hope is one from which we can all learn and benefit. He will share some of the lessons he has learned from his experience and how he is applying them to help others. Let me give you just a brief background about Brian. Uh, Brian Fleming began his adult life serving as a team leader in a reconnaissance platoon with the U.S. Army's 10th Mountain Division in both Korea and Afghanistan. A Purple Heart recipient, Brian's vehicle was blown up twice, and he sustained multiple injuries from the attack of a suicide bomber who detonated only three feet away from him on July 24, 2006, in Afghanistan. After enduring reconstructive surgery and 14 months in rehabilitation at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, he chose to turn to his tragedy into triumph. Through his company, over-the-top speaking programs, he's a full-time public speaker now. Brian has spoken literally to thousands across North America, speaking in high schools, universities, churches, and other businesses and communities, community events. He has been featured by several media outlets, including ESPN and the Dallas Morning News. At only 24 years of age, Brian is a husband and father and the author of three books, A Life Worth Living, 77 Ways You Can Save Money Now, and Never the Same. Well, welcome, Brian. Thank you. You, Brian, this is Ken Dawson. Um, I just want to tell you what an honor it is to have you on the show. I am a uh, Marine veteran and uh, don't have nearly the stories you had to tell, but uh, just can't say enough about uh, what an honor it is to have you with us. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be on your show, Ken. My uh, brother is a Purple Heart recipient. He was shot up in Vietnam and uh, is going to... Uh, 
a very tough time has ever since, so I can relate to many of the things that you're saying in your book. Uh, I can imagine he does. I understand completely. Well, Brian, you were just a young teenager when 9-11 occurred. Where were you at the time, and how did it impact you? Well, I was in high school at the time. I was actually uh, still in 10th grade, and I was in my second period class. It was my Spanish class, and uh, I remember my, my teacher turning on the TV, and uh, I, we didn't know what had happened, and uh, we actually we saw the, the second airplane fly into the World Trade Center. And uh, really, it was kind of weird for me because I've seen so many movies, and uh, it almost seemed like it wasn't really happening. Yeah. And nobody at that point knew exactly what it was, but it was, wasn't too soon before we found out that it was no accident. Yes, I think everybody uh, has that indelibly um, burned into their memory. Uh, everybody can say exactly where they were. It's one of those events you never never forget. It uh, sure is. Brian, well, you... was it that that caused you to uh, um, enlist in the Army? Well, really, I, I believe it was uh, because basically I, I, I had other plans. I actually planned on uh, uh, going to college and med school, become a doctor right out of high school. And uh, 9-11, I think it's safe to say, changed everything for everybody. And I just I really felt as if I would be a hypocrite to go on enjoying my freedoms as an American and not just not not contribute just a few years of my life to preserving that cause of freedom because I, i've been to i've been to several foreign countries and most everywhere i've gone uh usually there's a minimum of a two-year requirement for all able-bodied men to serve in the military and uh, america's all volunteer it's not like that here and so i just uh i felt obligated i need to do something i don't have to commit my entire life though i could but I need to at least contribute a few years of my life to that cause. And how did your family and friends uh, feel about your decision, Brian? Uh, my friends and family, they supported me all the way. Uh, I did have some teachers that uh, were unpleasantly surprised at my, at my decision, uh, you know, because I, I, did, I did pretty well in high school, and I had a lot going for me as far as getting into college. And uh, really, uh, one of my teachers, I remember them saying, uh, you did what? Why, w why would you do that? You know our country's at war right now, don't you? Because it was 2003. It was post-9-11. Yeah. And, and I respected this teacher, and I told her, of course I know we're at war. That's kind of the whole point of joining the military. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and to me it was kind of a no-brainer, but I, I understand where, where she was coming from. And uh, I just felt, you know, I need to delay this a little bit. Um, in her eyes, I was taking a lower position maybe mm -hmm. then. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was more of a demotion than anything in life, but I just felt that was what I was called to do. That's what I was supposed to do at that point in my life, and uh, I'm glad I did. Brian, are you currently uh, going back to school and finishing that degree? Uh, yes, I am. I am in going into my oh, second year of college that, and pursuing my bachelor's degree. What in? Uh, well, my degree program is called Professional Development. It's through Southwestern right down here in Central Texas. and. Uh, Basically what that does is it takes all your life experience and applies credit to it, and it doesn't so much specify one particular um, uh, area of emphasis. I, I can actually, it's a little more broad based as far as uh, what I can choose to really emphasize. So there's a little more, uh, I guess you could say, freedom of movement as far as what, I, what I'm going to choose to go, to go into. Now, can you do a lot online with that program? I have done all of my school online for the past two years. And uh, since I've just moved to the area, I'm, I'm very close to the school I'll be doing on campus uh, this semester. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Brian, we, uh, uh, as you know, one, the government does many things in a 
dumb fashion, but one of the great things that's done recently is increased uh, veterans for or, uh, benefits for veterans and educational benefits. Uh, one of the things that's been increased pretty dramatically. Uh, many of our listeners are individuals who are contemplating the military, and every time we get a military hero on, like yourself, we always ask them to uh, share their thoughts or your thoughts on a career in the military. Would you do that for our listeners, please? Well, I would, I would highly recommend uh, anybody who's considering going into the military to, to do it. And uh, just to be entirely honest with you, uh, the military did a lot for me. And I, I really, I really didn't realize how much it had done for me until I was out for about a week. <laughs> I just realized uh, while I was in, I couldn't really see all they had done for me. But uh, after getting out, um, and this isn't to speak against anybody who didn't go in the military, but you know, I have a lot of friends who who chose not to take the path that I did, and uh, I, I just have to say, I'm, quite honestly, I feel I'm better off having done it. And uh, it's done things for me that really go beyond words. I, it's hard to explain how much is done for me as far as setting me up for success in life, uh, giving me the discipline to get things done, and uh, really putting in me a, a fire under me, really, to, to go somewhere in life and to do something, to be motivated. You see how precious this is when, when you're out there um, in the battlefield and, and even to the extent of, of um, enduring the kind of injuries that you did and the recovery process. And as we go through the program today, Brian, you'll have a chance to share more about those lessons. And I just want <clears throat> to uh, share the quote that you put in your book from General Schwarzkopf. Because we believe in a cause higher than self, we choose to serve our country fully understanding that this service could result in our death. Few have, who have never served their country will ever understand a soldier's heart. That's such a, a poignant um, quote from the general. Why did you choose that quotation to start your story? Well, I placed that quote in the front of the book in order to really set the tone for the rest of the book. I just I wanted my readers to have some sort of idea about who I am and where I was coming from. Uh, I believe that that quote in particular does great justice in describing the heart of America and our willingness to die in order to protect and preserve the uh, the freedoms we enjoy every day. And uh, you know, if we aren't willing to die for a cause greater than ourselves and to protect those we love then what is there in life that's truly worth living for? That's really the way I see it. Mm. You know, if you don't stand for something, I've learned that you'll fall for anything. And something's worth dying for, Cheryl. And the cause of freedom and the protection of those that we love is a worthy cause, in my opinion. In fact, I'd have to say that it's probably one of the only true noble causes for which one could die is for freedom and for others. That's very powerful. Uh, Brian, thank you for sharing that. And on another note, you have a very unique story of how you met your wife and married. Can you share that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, my wife and I, we actually met on a pen pal website. <laughs> See, I, I, I've been to about five continents. I've been to several foreign countries. I love getting to know people from other countries. And I had no intention of finding a wife or anybody, uh, for, for that matter. But uh, I just happened to see her picture, and she had these very unusually big blue eyes. And uh, she was from Texas, and that's kind of like its own country anyway. And so I thought that was all right. And we uh, <laughs> began exchanging emails and talking by instant message. And then we began talking on the phone, and we eventually met. 
and uh, we knew it was right, and so we decided to get married. And uh, after we were married, I deployed three months later to Afghanistan, so we had a very short period of time where uh, we were able to just uh, enjoy our first days of marriage before I was going off to war. Well, and we knew, we knew that a ahead modern, of time. Yeah, modern-day courting story, for sure, to have met on the Internet like that. <laughs> Brian, you have a um, very, very unique story. Tell us about your future plans for sharing that with people around the world. Uh, my future plans as far as uh, my speaking business or my marriage? or Sharing your story, doing everything you can to get uh, our country behind your cause and all, my cause and our cause. Well, there, well, here's one thing that I know to be true. There is a whole lot of negativity and hopelessness in our world, and that does not lead to success in any realm or any area of life. You have to be able to get get to people. You have to speak to their, their hearts and their minds, and you need to get in there and, and let them know that no matter what they go through, they can overcome it. Fortunately, oh, it's kind of weird I say fortunately, but due to my, my tragic war injury, which we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, I, I, can, I can tell people like soldiers, I've been there. Mm. I know how you feel. You know, I, I was there, but I chose not to stay there. And, you know, sometimes it just takes one little spark to, to uh, you know, just begin a forest fire. And sometimes people are going through something and they're living under, under the burden of something. And all it takes is just one spark, one other person saying, hey, I went through something too, but, this, but I got past it. And that, that tells them, hey, I think I can get through this. And it changes people's lives. It really gives them hope, doesn't it, when they know someone else is encouraging them? It, it's hope, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about your early uh, deployment and, and how you ended up in Afghanistan. Well, I was deployed to Afghanistan in March of 2006. And uh, one of the very first things we were ordered to do was when we got in country, uh, we got into Kandahar Airfield, one of the first orders they gave us was to write our blood types on our boots. And let me just say, you know something might be a little wrong when you go to a foreign country and they, the first thing they tell you is to write your blood type yeah. on your boots. <laughs> That's unnerving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's very revealing about the reality of where you are and what's going on. And, uh, you know, we were, we were at Kandahar Airfield for a couple of weeks and then uh, eventually sent out to our forward operating base uh, where we operated out of for the duration of the deployment. Mm-hmm. And life is very different there, and you said you like different countries, but that is really a wilderness, isn't it? Uh, it was uh, very different. Afghanistan is very different than America in many ways. Um, first of all, there's first of all, I'll just say there's no country in the world like America. Like I said, I've been to several other countries, and uh, America is not the norm. We are special. We're one of a kind. Uh, we are overprivileged. And, uh, you know, I actually just heard a guy yesterday say that uh, 8% of the world's population has a car. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that I know anybody in America who doesn't have at least one car. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, we're going to have to take a break here, Brian, but when right. we get back, we'll, we'll share more about your inspiring story. Don't go away. All right. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Every day, the chances of becoming a victim of mercury poisoning increase. Mercury poisoning may cause neurological damage that impairs learning, vision, and memory. And mercury itself has become part of our everyday lives, absorbed by certain fish, taken into our bodies, and passed on to our children like a common cold. But you can stop this. Log on to earthshare.org and find out how. 
a public service message brought to you by Earthshare and the Ad Council. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition. And through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson. And check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success, better job, better pay, better life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Ken and Cheryl Dawson. We have the privilege of speaking with Brian Fleming today about his experience in Afghanistan and his recovery after a serious war injury. You uh, shared in the first segment, um, Brian, a little bit about uh, arriving in country. Uh, can you share about you know your experience with the villagers and the Taliban? Uh, you share a little bit about that in your book. What was your mission among the people, and, and how did they react to the U.S. military? Well, our, our mission among the people was uh, to first and foremost protect them, uh, purge the Taliban from among them, and uh, many times we'd supply literally tons and tons of humanitarian and medical aid uh, to many of them who would have died had we not shown up. Uh, and we were basically, we were generally uh, welcomed among the people. Uh, the kids totally loved us, and we totally loved them. It's kind of hard not to, you know. And I guess the only time I recall the villagers uh, trying to get us to, to leave them alone was really when we'd come into a village, just a few times it happened, and uh, we could tell something just wasn't right. Uh, sometimes your instincts just tell you something here is, is just not what it should be. And uh, there were times we could offer them all kinds of humanitarian aid, school supplies, clothing, food and water, stuff like that. And as I said, there were a few times they turned it down and simply asked us to leave them be. And uh, it turned out later we found out that the Taliban had recently been in their village and told them that if they associated with associated with us or accepted any sort of aid from us that they would come back and murder the village when we left mm. so these villagers they just they simply wanted to survive that's all mm. other than that though uh, they were happy they came out to the the medical missions we did and uh, my my platoon basically uh, uh covered the security part of that those operations and i'll tell you one thing the taliban we found uh, that they would tell the villagers is that they would say this they say the americans have the watch but we have the time Basically, what they were saying was that the Americans may be here now, but they're going to leave someday. And when they leave, we're still going to be here. 
and we will wait the Americans out, and you will pay dearly when they leave and have nobody to protect you. Basically, what they're doing is they were, they were starving the people of, of resources that could help them develop as a nation, and uh, they were using scare tactics to uh, strike fear into the people. And that's Brian, basically the business they're in, and that's really all they have to go on, and not much else. And these hostilities have been going on for centuries. I mean, it's not yeah. started yesterday, but uh, I'm sure you're watching the elections over there. It's fascinating how... Uh, People are coming out to vote, and uh, the Taliban are just absolutely furious that anyone yep. would have the... Uh, well, they, they crave power, and uh, it's a threat to their, their uh, mission to gain total power of that nation oh, absolutely. in the world, eventually, is their ultimate mission. Mm. Absolutely. How would you compare uh, uh, Afghanistan and, and Iraq as far as... Uh, have you been in Iraq as well? Actually, I, I was not deployed to Iraq due to my war injury, and so I only did the war in Afghanistan, and so I really couldn't tell you too much about that. I have a lot of friends who could give you a lot more insight into the war there and how it's maybe the same and how it's different. Right. You do share some of the... Taliban tactics, uh, both in war and how the fighters react when caught and so forth. What is your perception of the Taliban and their motivation and goal? Well, first and foremost in any war, I'll have to say that no enemy should ever be underestimated. I think the people who underestimate their enemy uh, don't usually come home. And I perceive really the Taliban as nothing more than guys with guns. Uh, you know, they're the bully on the playground. They want to control and oppress people. And quite honestly, we were happy to go head-to-head -head with them and show them that if they continue doing this, they were going to continue dying for a worthless cause. Um, I believe that the goal of the Taliban and all of radical Islam, for that matter, because that is what they are, uh, is to convert everybody in the world to their religion and to kill those who refuse. As I said previously, they crave power and they oppress those who cannot defend themselves and use fear as a means to do it. And, and when they're caught? I'm sorry? And when they're caught? Well, well, if you have a big group of them, they just kind of band together. Uh, you separate them, you get them alone, and uh, they're quite the chatterbox. <laughs> all that courage is gone, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 all front, you know. And and I want to I want to make it clear too. I'm not saying that all Muslims are like this. I know some just great Muslim people who are ethical, good people. It is not Muslims in general. It is this extremist uh, section of Muslims who are these these radical terrorists. Mm -hmm. And I want to make that very clear. I think that has been misperceived in recent days. And uh, I do believe that radical Islam is, in my opinion, the single greatest threat not only to our nation but to the world. Uh, it's basically a, a militancy that's backed by a uh, twisted and oppressive doctrine. Mm -hmm. The craziness of this, Brian, is that uh, many of these people used to be our allies. You might remember that way back uh, we put money and guns in the hands of... We sure did. Uh, we have a way of doing that, don't we? Our terrorists. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your uh, injury, how that came about. Well, I was inside of two different vehicles that were blown up and completely destroyed. And you know what they say, a third time's a charm. But uh, fortunately, I didn't stick around to find out. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one took place on April 18th of 2006 when my vehicle ran over a, uh, a bomb that was buried in the road. It was a double stack of anti-tank mines and uh, blew up our vehicle, burned it down to pieces. It was a total loss. And... Um, Turned out, uh, I, I started checking myself over after the vehicle landed because it threw it about 10 feet to the side of the road. And my first thought was, I think we just got blown up. You know, I, I didn't know what to think. I'd never been inside of a vehicle that exploded before. But uh, I found myself to be unharmed. I opened my door, I stepped out, and I walked away without a scratch. Wow. And, and uh, helped your buddy, didn't you? And yes, uh, I had one guy who uh, the the explosive actually detonated beneath his seat, 
and uh, I ended up having to drag him out of the burning vehicle. Fortunately, I was well enough physically and mentally there where I could recognize what was happening and I could do that for him because it turned out in the second explosion, uh, somebody, uh, I was later told, drug me out of the vehicle. So I guess that's the old uh, adage of reaping and sowing or, you know, getting what you give. Yeah. <laughs> and the time you were drug out, what were your injuries that time? Well, that, the way, when I was drug out, um, that was the uh, a few months later on July 24th when a, a suicide bomber uh, pulled up next to my door and exploded in his minivan. And uh, we were driving down Highway 1 through Kandahar, southbound, and a white van got in front of us and slowed down. So my driver, I was in the front passenger seat, my driver passed him on the left, just like you would any other vehicle on the highway, and we got right next to him, and that van exploded. Um, as I said, he, he drugged me out. He later told me. I learned that about a year after, because I don't have any recollection of uh, the explosion. But my first memory uh, that I can recall after the explosion took place, uh, I was laying in a ditch on the side of the road, face down. Uh, I had a fountain of blood pouring out of my face. My helmet was not on my head. Uh, I thought I had been sunburned really bad. Turns out I had third-degree burns on my hands with uh, full face and neck burns, uh, second-degree with minor third-degree. And uh, yeah, he pulled me out of there. Fortunately, my, my driver was also a medic by, by trade, so that was uh, sort of convenient. And uh, I, just, I just thank God for armor plating and bulletproof glass because it saved my skin both times. Mm. <clears throat> and that first uh, explosion, you mentioned how, how you, when you, even when you were saving your buddy out of the flames that you weren't hurt. Yeah, I actually, about a minute before we hit that bomb, I had taken my, my Nomex gloves off, which Nomex gloves, they're, they're flight gloves, they're, they're flame resistant. And uh, I had taken them off and stuffed them right there in my ammo rack on my chest. Well, then we hit the bomb, and I remember as I was, I was trying to put my hands in and out just kind of over the fire, but, you know, I didn't want to get burned. But then real quick in my head something said, you're either going to burn yourself trying to save him or he's going to burn alive. And so I grabbed him, I drug him out of the vehicle, and... One, I mean, I had to reach over flames. I don't know, but I, I had no burns on me. Uh, I was completely fine after it happened. Wow. Well, after the um, the serious injury and you got back to the States, your recovery at, at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio was very painful and, and a very long ordeal. Share how you were able to endure that. Well, first of all, my wife stood by me throughout the entire ordeal. I had support, and that, that always helps. Uh, second, I just have to give credit to my Christian faith. Uh, you know, I believed in God before I deployed. <laughs> you know, I believed in Him during when I, while the time I was deployed, and I can guarantee it. You know, I got a whole lot stronger when I got back. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was really my faith that allowed me to endure and become uh, and begin overcoming those injuries uh, several months down the road. Other than that, um, I just have to say, that, you know, that it gave me a purpose. And, you know, I, I believe that there had to be a, some reason for this happening. And um, also, as I was in there with other injured soldiers like myself. Uh, some some of them were injured worse than me. Some others were not as worse off as I was, and uh, we just we kept each other going because that's what soldiers do. Adversity binds us together stronger than we were before. Mm-hmm. Brian, you had a chance to um, uh, be with a number of Marines over there, I'm sure as well. Um, how would you find working with Marines? Well, actually, uh, we, my, my uh, reconnaissance platoon in particular didn't do any operations uh, with the Marine Corps, though they were uh, at times passing through our areas on their own missions. Okay. Uh, and I, the only reason I ask is I've heard from a number of Marines that they were totally inspired by uh, working with Army, uh, and again, mostly Army and Marines that are over there, and uh, 
true camaraderie, not just within the unit, but within both units. And uh, it says an awful lot about our military and uh, what great, great guys and ladies they are. Well, the Marines got the term devil dogs named them in World War II for a reason. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's why they get sent in, and, you know, so do we. You know, I they're can, uh, I can vouch our charging name, fighters. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen... Um, uh, your your book was so inspiring. I, I'd say, uh, Brian, and I, I was teary-eyed all the way through it. And uh, it, it's very common after combat experience and a serious injury like that to suffer PTSD. Share some of your challenges uh, with that disorder and after you left the hospital and how you overcame the emotional trauma. Well, I'll begin by taking the letter D off of that acronym because... Really, I think to uh, tell somebody they have a disorder is to imply that they have something seriously wrong with them and that, they have, uh, that they're very different. Really, I think it just implies that they have some sort of sickness and that they're somehow weird now uh, because they've had to fight a war and watch their friends die. Uh, there's nothing disorderly, in my opinion, about responding in a normal way to an abnormal circumstance such mm-hmm. as war. And uh, I think one of the first steps to helping soldiers is uh, to stop telling them all the time what's wrong with them and throwing pills at them. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really even knew too much about what post-traumatic stress was until they kept telling me I had it. You know, at times it almost seemed like they were trying to convince me I had something wrong with me that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, post-traumatic stress bothered me most really only when I had to go to my appointments and talk to the doctors about it. You know, other than that, I mean, I would be the most angry when I when I had to go in and talk about these things. And uh other than that, I was generally all right by my own standards. But, you know, talking about it to the doctors, like I said, it made me angry, made me feel like I was some sort of experiment. And they were some of them sort of acted sometimes that they were superior to me. It's kind of how I felt. And that was probably just all in my head because they, they really they put a lot of time and effort and money into helping guys like me, and I do appreciate them. But one thing that really got me was they always wanted to explain to me what was happening in my brain, yada, yada, yada. Like, you know, I told one guy one time if I wanted a degree in psychology, I'd go get one, you know. And, uh, you know, well, this is what happened here and that there and the chemicals and the, you know, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> that isn't what I was there for, you know. And some of them would say, I know how you feel. And there were a couple of times I blew up on them and I'd walk out and I'd just, I'd ask them, I'd say, Really? Do you really know how I feel? You know, when was the last time you woke up in a ditch on the side of the road, burned and bloody from the attack of a suicide bomber, only to look over and see your friend lying on the ground bleeding out? I said, do you know how I really feel? And, you know, sometimes I didn't have a whole lot to, to, you know, to say about that. But as I said, I agree. It's good to talk about these things and not bottle them up. I think that's a great lesson we've learned. And, uh... Brian, you sound so much like my brother. He's, uh, he was, as I say, uh, uh, shot twice in Vietnam and... and Mm. Back then, we used to call it post-Vietnam syndrome uh, mm-hmm. before it became PTSD. But uh, he had, and he had, and still has many of the same uh, comments and thoughts that you have. And, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I do talk about what happened still, and I do believe that's helping me. It's just, I, I just, I think I, I found a better way uh, to talk about it. You know, for me, this is just what's worked, because as you know, with my speaking business, I speak all over the nation, and. Uh, but I found that while I'm talking about my work experience, it's not just explaining it to a doctor so they can try and diagnose me. But when I talk about it now, I discovered that it can help people. That what happened to me maybe wasn't for nothing because I'm seeing other people, uh, you know, saying, wow, if you can make it, I think I can too. And for me, that made a difference that uh, I never foreseen. I, I, I never saw that coming. Well, I really appreciate your your perspective on that, Brian. And when we get back, we're going to learn more about how Brian has applied the lessons he's learned. So stay tuned. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition. And through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success better job better pay better life this isn't silence it's nothing every year a million families lose their homes to foreclosure because they do nothing if you've fallen behind on your mortgage do something call 1-888-995-HOPE that's 1-888-995-4673 because nothing is worse than doing nothing. A public service announcement brought to you by NeighborWorks, the Ad Council, and this station. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, welcome back. Ken and Cheryl Dawson here with Brian Fleming, and he's telling us an incredible and inspiring story about his recovery from major injury uh, in Afghanistan, and uh, and also about his career. Uh, Brian, you decided to take the entrepreneurial route rather than getting a traditional job. What inspired you to do that, and how have you found uh, that goal to to be for your your future? Well, uh, even before I was out of the military, uh, it, it all sort of began uh, when I, I began getting calls from people who uh, actually wanted to, to pay me to come and talk about everything. Uh, they wanted to know what was going on, uh, not only in the war, because I had been there, but also in my life and through the, my tragic experience. And, you know, I've got to admit, it's pretty cool to get paid to run my mouth. You know, the military paid me to an extent for that. And I've always been a real talker. And uh, I'd never done any sort of public speaking before. My, my, the extent of my public speaking experience in the military was basically yelling. And, uh, you know, but <laughs> you know, it was kind of funny. But, you know, um, like I said, I couldn't believe, you know, you're, you're going to what? You're going to pay me to come and talk? And I said, okay. You know, and after doing it a few times, I thought, man, I, I could do this. You know, I could, I could do this for forever. You know, it's helping people. I'm, I love doing it, you know. And, but what truly inspired me, as I alluded to previously, was the fact that I began seeing people's lives change in a positive way as a result of my horrific injury and my willingness to talk about it. 
and as I said, that did something for me that medicine never could. And I just I learned that there's there's healing power in our wounds and our scars, and that there are other people out there on the verge of getting over something. They just need to hear somebody else about how they got past something, and it can help push them over the top. And uh, like I said, Cheryl, it takes just one spark to begin a wildfire. And uh, I've been able to see that in a a number of people's lives, not because I'm some great speaker, but because of the unexpected tragedy that happened in my life. Well, it really has um, had a tremendous impact uh, just in reading your book, and uh, I would encourage everyone to get a hold of it. But uh, just your experience now coming from the military to civilian life, would you have any recommendations for other veterans who are just returning, entering the civilian job market, any special recommendations you'd have for them? Um, well, it's, uh, you can't always uh, manage it like you do by the military. Uh, somebody doesn't do your job, uh, you can't yell at them and make them do push-ups. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, a little different way. Um, Gosh, uh, I've really been in business for myself since I've been um, out of the military. Uh, take everything you learned in the military, the discipline, being on time, doing the right thing, and uh, apply that to your life. Uh, and don't expect people to operate like soldiers or Marines or whatever service you were in because uh, the civilian realm is, is very different in many ways uh, from the military. And I've really found you can't run a civilian world like a military, and you can't run the military like the civilian world. Uh, they just they're not in your interchangeable, so you kind of have to take a little bit here and there uh, as you do. Brian, one of the things that Cheryl and I do is uh, basically get back our business in our country, and everything here has been so wonderful to us. And I've spent the last three months on the road uh, working with veterans, and what I've discovered is that. Oftentimes, we're working with uh, active military in particular who have just come back or, or recent veterans. Uh, they are having a tremendous time uh, making the transition to civilian life just because they are used to military, and oftentimes it's very difficult than a civilian market. So in sitting down with them and custom designing a resume, for instance, it's important to get the correct terminology in place. but. Everything else that's in our book, uh, discipline, dedication, working harder, smarter, longer, all those things are so apropos for a military veteran. And well, I did find in your book many of the things were uh, resetting somebody's mind uh, mentally, you know, the, uh, the intangibles of, uh, which can take you further in life. Like you would said, you sort of structured it after Marine Corps boot camp. It wasn't, uh, there were a lot of tactics in there, but at the same time, it was a lot about setting the reader's mindset. Exactly. And uh, that really, I'm glad you did that because I thought that was very unique and powerful because I, I, know, I know personally that's what makes the difference in a person's life. Exactly. And how, how they act and how they operate. And on our website, Brian, we have a, um, a veteran section and we work hard to reach out to veterans. and uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank uh, you. Ken is uh, speaking of our vet, uh, veterans blog, and we do encourage uh, those veterans who might be listening. <clears throat> if you're in a career uh, transition or a job change, you might want to check that out uh, at betterjobbetterlife.com. You know, Brian, you were placed in leadership uh, roles in the military very quickly. Uh, how did your military career prepare you for that leadership and how has your view of leadership changed as a result of that experience? Um, I, as you said, I was uh, thrown into a leadership role very early on. I was t- uh, 21 years old when I um, well, get, was uh, given my, sh- my sergeant stripes. I, I earned my sergeant stripes uh, after about two and a half years in service. And um, really, I was, I was tossed into that. 
and uh, it, it was a learning experience. I'd, you know, I'd been used to uh, being the follower, being told what to do, and all of a sudden, now I'm making the commands. And you know, there uh, there were people younger than me, as well as my age, and also people older than me um, that I had to be in command of. And it did feel kind of weird at times uh, telling a person who's 10 years older than me what to do. And uh, if they weren't doing the right thing, I had to put them back in line. And there are times I felt really weird about that, but uh, it was it was just uh, how it happened there. And I, I tried to keep friendships, but sometimes it just didn't work out because, you know, when you have to tell your friends what to do, it, it doesn't usually go good, you know, as far as hanging out on the weekends, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, so there has to be some, some separation there. Well, yeah. One of the things that uh, uh, you're probably aware of is uh, Artie Murphy was the most decorated soldier in World War II mm-hmm. and was actually an actor in his own movies. And most people say, well, that was fake. It wasn't fake at all. He he was act- actually the most decorated soldier. And, uh, I mean, just amazing uh, heroic things that he did. And uh, he, Absolutely. I'm sure you're familiar with his exploits. Oh, absolutely. In fact, we even have the Artie Murphy board uh, that only the... The uh, most uh, squared away soldiers can even get to, and let alone win. Uh, the guy's uh, a legend in the military. Absolutely. And, um, and well, on a similar note, I have in my office a Medal of Honor, a number of Medal of Honor books that are just so inspiring. Uh, you know, one story after the other, and every every service is involved in that, and it's just uh, so wonderful and inspiring to realize uh, how much these individuals have given to our country. Well, Brian, you mentioned uh, how how your scars can really um, provide you a means to help others. You've also received a number of medals. Tell us what the impact of those awards have been in your life. Well, um, I know that in many, many countries and cultures, uh, a lot of times uh, there are initiations into, into manhood uh, that the, the older men will take the boys who are usually teenagers and they'll have to do something in order to really be considered a man in their tribe or culture. And uh, unfortunately, I really feel that's something that's been around a long time and America lacks. And uh, I believe it's it's, uh, destroying masculinity in America, not having that. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, some even even some you know masculinity is being uh, shoved towards femininism, and uh, it's just kind of sad to see that. But for me, those medals are really proofs of, uh, I guess, for me, uh, my rite of passage. I, I guess I could say that I wouldn't have received elsewhere. You know, because uh, you know, growing up, I really didn't have any uh, too many positive male role models in my life, and and so I think for me, it it, it took that thing. You know, who am I really? It identifies me. Uh, I guess for me, if there was ever an initiation into manhood, it would have been uh, going to war and uh, surviving and coming back. I guess it, it sort of clicked something in me that some, I mean, I probably wouldn't have had elsewise. Other than the uh, Purple Heart, what other medals have you received? Oh, oh gosh, let me think. Uh, uh, NATO medal, there's Humanitarian Service medal, Good Conduct medal, uh, Korea Service Defense Service medal, Afghanistan Campaign medal. Uh, uh, combat infantryman's badge. Uh, there, there are a few others. I have, I have 12 total. Wow. I, I can't really recall wow. them offhand right now. There. You came out in A5. Uh, yes, sir. Great, great. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. You, you have a chapter in your book on the power of words. What do you mean when you say that words are like a compass? Well, I, I learned that really a lot, what we do in life. You see, there we have choices every day. And every day those choices we make are going to set us down a particular path in life. And uh, 
really I learned a lot about land navigation. In fact, you could drop me probably in the in a dark field in the middle of nowhere, and I would find my way back to civilization, you know, with or without navigation equipment. But uh, a compass makes it a whole lot easier because uh, when you when you're navigating by compass, you have what's called nazimuth, which you navigate by. And uh, you could say, for example, I'm supposed to go 10 miles in this direction, which is at 275 degrees. Well, if I go 10 or 20 miles at that direct in that direction at 275 degrees. If I'm at 276 or 277 degrees, just one or two degrees off, over the span of 10, 15, 20 miles, I will go the distance, but I, will, I could end up 20 or 30 miles away from my target. Yeah. Because just one degree off can change everything. In fact, there's a, I don't really recall the, the captain's name, but uh, a few centuries back, there was a, right off the outer banks of North Carolina, there was a story just like that one. And, uh, he wasn't supposed to sail that day, but he chose to anyway. Uh, his navigation, uh, the magnetism in his navigation devices were just a bit off and took him one degree off is what it ended up being. Well, they crashed into the rocks right there near the Outer Banks, and uh, a whole lot of sailors died that night as a result of that. And I really, that there's a story out there, and uh, it really inspired me to write about that because I, I just that was the same way I was thinking about where we go in life. And I know that words have... Uh, power to make or break a person's life and a society because really when you speak words what you're doing is you're planting seeds mm. and uh, seeds produce a product they will produce something and I guess it gives a, a whole new meaning to uh, the fact that you know telling someone they're going to eat their own words because uh, very often we do Wow, I can go around well, we're telling myself and everybody else that I'm a nobody. I'm never going to go anywhere in life, and I probably won't. That's a very powerful lesson, Brian. We're going to take a break now, but when we get back, we'll learn more on how you can advance your career with these great lessons. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition. And through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success better job better pay better life ask the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question that's 1-866-472-5787 thank you for calling voiceamerica.com You 
listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl Dawson here with Brian Fleming, and we're learning some great lessons. Brian, that was so powerful what you shared about words and how they can actually be the compass for our lives. And so to really speak things that that we can believe in and that we can uh, target for our future is so important. And I like, too, the analogy that you give of gold and silver being refined by fire. Share that lesson, if you will. Well, I was driving down the road a few months ago, and uh, I heard a guy on the radio talking about the, the process by which uh, gold is refined. He was referring to gold in this uh, specific uh, discussion, and it really hit home for me. Uh, I believe he, he, I think he was a minister, actually, and uh, he began talking about how uh, they would dig up gold, and it would have all these impurities, and it would be pretty much uh, worth nothing, and they had to you know, put it through the fire to get all the, all the impurities out of it. And he talked about how unpleasant and how uh, hot the heat needed to be to purge all the impurities out of this, this, uh, this gold and how it would come out on the other side. And a- as he was explaining it, you know, I realized, well, you know, this, this uh, chunk of gold that had been dug out of the ground that was uh, very unappealing at first uh, physically with its appearance, you know, but it, as it went through the fire, everything, all the impurities were drawn out of it. And uh, it come come out to be that it was far more valuable because of the fact that it had endured the fires of testing, and it came out on the other side better than it was before, and more beautiful and physically appealing as well, and not only more valuable. And so, and I, I thought, you know, I, I've been through the fire, you know, in many ways, and literally as well, I was burned, and I, I've been able to see as he was talking, I began realizing, wow, that's kind of like my life was. You know, I, I, not that I was doing anything wrong, but I, I can say that I am honestly better having come through the fire with who I am today than I was when I originally went in. And I couldn't see that while I was going through the fire. It was very difficult, and I didn't know what was going on or why. But after having gone through the fire, as I said, in a literal sense, and many others as well, I, I've seen, you know, I've been able to see in my life that I, I, I'm a better person for having endured it. Brian, we have a few minutes left. Um, if you wouldn't mind, let's close with um, Job Search Total System. Our theme is working harder, smarter, longer in exchange for better job, better pay, better life. Uh, we have so many listeners that are inspired by your story, and you truly have the ability to change your life as we're doing. Uh, share your final minutes with us with some inspiring messages to these listeners relative to how they can truly achieve better job, better pay, better life? Well, um, I just say uh, in closing that um, it's never a matter of if life happens, it's a matter of when life happens. And uh, when it does, you're going to be presented with a choice as to which way you're going to decide to go in life. And when life does happen, what are you going to choose to do with it? I, I know personally from my own experience of tragedy and triumph, I can tell you my life so far, my greatest successes, all my greatest successes have been derived from my greatest tragedies. And it's been my greatest sufferings that have produced my greatest victories. 
as I said previously, I didn't always see it that way when I was going through it. Obviously, if you're down on the football field on the 20-yard line and uh, you're trying to run from your run for your life from a linebacker, you don't have the best view of everything, but the person up in the skybox has a great view. And uh, I can just tell you in all honesty that because of the great things I've been able to see come out of it, not just in my life, but even more so in the lives of others, uh, I, I can sit here and tell you today that uh, getting attacked by a suicide bomber never felt so good. And uh, that, that sounds kind of weird, I'm sure. And uh, some of the listeners might be thinking, oh, he must have brain damage. And, well, hey, I do have a traumatic brain injury, and I have government paperwork to prove it. But you know what? I've gone through the fire. I've walked through hell on earth, and I've come out better for it. And usually that isn't the case. Uh, I've seen too many people go down. And uh, I know that if I can make it through it, um, your listeners, whether it's um, economically or in their occupation or any challenges they may face in life, I know that if I, if I can make it past that, if I can survive a suicide bomber and come out on top, I know that they can do anything with their lives that they choose to do. And, Brian, it's not only our veterans but and our active military, but the families of our active military and veterans that are so wonderful. And, and, and listeners, please support and do everything you possibly can for not just our active military and veterans, but the families of these wonderful individuals because they deserve it as well. Absolutely. And if they'd like to learn more about what I do, uh, they can uh, simply visit my website. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Or if they'd like to get a copy of my book, uh, Never the Same. And my website is real easy. It's just my name. It's briancfleming.com. That's great, Brian. And you're really blessed to have learned this lesson so young in life. I know that you have a, a great life and career ahead of you. No, no uh question that the Lord will use you in, in just really powerful ways. I know they really, <clears throat> he already has today in today's show. I'd like to sh- have you um, share the promise that you received about your healed hands. Oh, well, I had just gotten out of the hospital, actually, and I was uh, actually back at a church service where uh, I used to attend uh, before I deployed, and one of the one of the ladies there she kept looking at me throughout the service, and I, I didn't really know why. I just thought, okay, she hasn't seen me in months and didn't know I was back from war. But she came up to me afterwards, and she said something I never expected to hear from anybody. And she came up to me, and she said, well, she said, Brian, I'm supposed to tell you something. You know, God told me to tell you something. And she says, he, she says what he told me to tell you was that those hands that I have healed will become healing hands. And for the longest time, I didn't know what that meant. I thanked her for it. I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and I was I was sitting on my couch one day while I was still a patient at the hospital. And uh, I thought, you know, I've begun writing a book. And uh, without hands, I could not write. It would be very difficult to do what I do without the ability to use my hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get it done one way or another. But uh, I believe that what happened in my life... <laughs> is beyond me and I'm not the reason I'm alive and I'm not you know the the purpose or anything it goes far beyond me that's really powerful Brian and you know there were two chapters in your book that really struck me one was the letter that you wrote to the suicide bomber and the other was the poignant story about meeting a former terrorist can you share those two with us absolutely well the uh, the first uh, that you talked about was the the letter to a suicide bomber. It was it was a little more than a year uh, after our our unfortunate encounter in Kandahar, and uh, I was sitting on my couch and I just I was thinking and so I began writing 
And it, as I did, it began, it began more more as a, a sarcastic letter, just resenting him, just kind of, man, I'm still here, you know, and you gave your best and it wasn't enough. But as I began to write it, I got to the part where I talked about how badly I was burned. And, uh, you know, this may not sound politically correct, and that's okay, but my personal belief is that when bad people like him, uh, that when they die and they have not made things right with God, I believe that they burn in hell. That is my personal belief. And now having said that, I knew how awful the pain of burning was. And I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to continue in that way. But on top of that, to mentally know that it wouldn't stop. I, mine was enough. I, I, I prayed to die when I was burned. It was so horrible. I knew it would someday end. But I knew I just the pain was so awful. I just I couldn't handle it. I prayed to die. I said, my wife will be fine. Please let me die. And I, and I didn't. Well, that letter turned into a letter of forgiveness. I, for, I forgave this man who attempted to kill me because I believe in forgiveness. And I know that the freedom, just 30 freedom seconds from the past time. comes only with forgiveness. Just and I just I refused to be weighed down by the burden of the past of wrongdoings against me. And I knew that I had survived for something greater than myself. And I simply refused to be held back and denied that purpose. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brian. We're not going to be able to hear about your other story, but I encourage people to get the book, to learn about it. It's very powerful. Thank you so much, uh, Brian, for your service, for your dedication, for um, the message that you're carrying to the world, and for being with us today. Brian, God bless you. God bless all of our military, and God bless America. Well, thank you, uh, Cheryl, for this great opportunity, and uh, Semper Fi, Ken. Thanks for your service. Same to you. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, right here. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.